Hey everybody, it's another episode of the Spook House, and I'm excited for this one. I got Josh from Lunch Meat VHS coming on. You know, it wouldn't be an episode of the Spook House if I didn't get up here and apologize for a little audio issue. We did this one on Skype, and for some reason Skype likes to cut out little bits of audio randomly. I don't know, it doesn't make sense. But I mean, overall the audio sounds good, but it just, if you're listening to it and it like cuts out on like a little word or something... That's why shit happens. But don't let that get you down. This is a great episode. And before we get into it, just want to say thank you for listening. You are awesome. Hope you're having a wonderful day. <laughs> if you got a minute, maybe leave a five-star review on iTunes. It's always appreciated. If not, that's cool too. I know you're busy. But thanks for listening to the episode. Let's get it going. Josh from Lunch Meat VHS. Here we go. Schaefer, thanks for joining the Spook House, man. It's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I kind of feel like this has been a long time coming. You're in Raleigh. I'm mm-hmm. in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all about the VHS life. I have a horror podcast, so yeah, I feel like um, this was meant to happen. So. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. VH yeah. stoked. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So I was listening to a podcast you did. I forgot who it was with, but... You were talking about your exercise routine. Oh boy! I Out of I all that on VH Quest, yeah, yeah, that was it. So yeah, yeah, how's that treating you these days? It's good, man. I mean, you know, in <laughs> quarantine, people get that belly, and I'm trying to. I ate a lot. Of, I ate a lot of chicken nuggets and, and Reese's cups, so I'm trying to just uh, just maintain. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. Yeah, I yeah. get out there. Yeah, what kind of uh, what's like your main go to? Uh, basketball. I run a lot. Um, oh, right shoot. now, right now I'm teaching myself to, to kick field goals cause it's something that I never really did. So I don't know. I just like to challenge myself physically with stuff and, you know, um, just kind of teaching myself to, to kick field goals right now. So it's fun. It's like a cool challenge. And like, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm constantly in creative mode, so it's nice to go out and just, you know, put your mind to something else, you know, and, and kind of just like, um, escape a little bit and, and focus on, Something completely different, you know, something completely that's not necessarily a creative form. And uh, I grew up playing sports and, you know, I, I still I still like to be active. So it's something that just kind of keeps me in shape and, and keeps me focused. It's nice to, like, split up your brain cells like that. So, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. find that, um, like, I run a lot, well, especially since the quarantine. And before then, I would do, like, kickboxing or lift weights or whatever to kind of mix it up but yeah i do find that i don't know like there's nothing like running three or four miles getting a good sweat 
Yeah. And you can like really think about whatever bullshit you got going on or like sometimes a creative moment will happen. Do you ever have that when you're like, you know, in it, like just sweating and dying and you're like, oh, shit, that's a good fucking idea for lunch meat or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like, I think, you know, I do the exercising to to kind of, uh, you know, escape from it a little bit. But always my brain's always churning about that kind of stuff. And you definitely get inspirational moments when you when you're kind of just out there and, you know, by yourself and just, just running or, or working on something else. And, you know, your, your brain just kind of like, you know, lights up with something. So that definitely happens for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like my usual podcast ritual was like, you know, prepare as much as possible during the week, but an hour or two before recording, like go for a run and maybe around like mile three or something, I'll be like, Oh shit, that's a good question. Yeah. And I'll get you like get back home and I'll like write it down real quick. So um I couldn't do that today because I'm I have a, a slight little back injury, but Oh yeah. man, that's the worst, yeah. We're getting <laughs> old, man. We're getting old. And the weird you know what? I never injure myself in the middle of a work I'm always like, Oh, I reached over and turned my alarm off too quick this morning <laughs> and like yeah. something just pops in my low back and I'm like, What the fuck? <laughs> I feel you, dude. I mean, when I play basketball, sometimes I'll go too hard and like my lower back hurts the next day because you know you're constantly jumping up and down and moving around and stuff like that. So, um, you know, through the pandemic, you can't really play with other people. So I kind of just, it's nice that I have a, a healthy imagination. So I kind of just like imagine being, you know, in inside of a, a competition. So that's cool. But yeah, yeah, sometimes you tweak stuff. It happens, but um, you just try to condition and and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. So, How old are you, by the way? Thirty-five. 35. All right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be 33 on Saturday. So, yeah. Oh, well, happy pre-birthday, buddy. Oh, hey, thanks, man. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess we're kind of getting to that age where it's like, you know, sorry, this muscle's going to hurt today. <laughs> but for <laughs> no reason, it's like, <laughs> it yeah. sneaks up on you, dude, for sure. It sneaks yeah. up on you, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you, uh, I didn't know you're all about, all about that ball life, man. Hey, man, I mean, it's just fun. You know, I think it's funny because, you know, a lot of like, uh, people into the horror scene and stuff like that, like, oh, sports ball. And then it's like, <laughs> I don't really make that distinction. I think that, you know, like, uh, I just love the being competitive and, you know, obviously being in, in shape and being able to move around, especially as you get older. Um, it's just nice. It helps your brain too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like exercise definitely de-stresses and just helps clear your mind. And like I said, it's just a different space to work in. And, um, you know, when you're constantly working on things like I am, I mean, it's just nice to have that break and have a little bit of a different thing going on sometimes. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If if I go like three days without getting in some kind of a workout, uh, I can feel it. I can feel like there's like I'm like, I, I got to I got to do something. I got to go for a run or lift some weights or. Yeah, those cobwebs yeah. creep up quickly as you get older. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Where do you play basketball at? At the Y, um, I, I play outside now. So there's a YMCA right down the road from my house, and I'll uh, I'll go out to the field and um, either kick or or just just run. Or um, you know they have an outdoor court, and uh, usually there's nobody out there, so I just go out there and just play a little bit, you know, until That's somebody cool. else comes along, and I just give them space and go back to my other routines and stuff. Well, hey, if you're ever trying to uh, shoot shoot a game of 21, I'm down. <laughs> oh man, let me know. Because, <laughs> you know. Trying to work on my on my jump shot, so yeah, man. What uh made you want to learn how to kick a field goal? Because this is something I never did before. Like I played baseball huh. growing up and football, and you know, it um, I never really got into the kicking game, and uh, so I just 
you know, I would like punt the ball and stuff in, in the side yard just for fun. And I was like, man, I mean, I wonder how hard it is to, to kick a 35 yard field goal. Like uh, what's, what's it really like? And you get out there and it's a lot of technique and a lot of concentration. And especially if you've never had any formal training, like you kind of just, I watched some videos and then, you know, you just, you really have to concentrate to make it happen. And, and like, it just shows you like how difficult that stuff really is. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's cool. Like I said, it's a different kind of challenge and, I don't know. Some people might be like, "Oh man, football," but it's just, it's just fun. It's fun for me. It's fun to go out there and just just try something new. And you know, when you know, you use your brain all day and, and try to get your creative juices flowing. And then all of a sudden, you're just kind of taking a break and just be like, "I'm going to try this other thing now." And it's nice, you know, when you get one through when you get one through the uprights. It's it's like, man, I'm doing it. So it's fun. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Um, how what's the longest so far? I hit a 38 yarder maybe oh, like two shit. weeks ago. Yeah, so um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's it's it, the consistency is, is is not there. I mean, like sometimes I'll kick it and it'll go wide left or it won't even get the it won't get the lift that it needs. But like when you hit one, it feels good. It's like wow, I just kicked a 38 yard field goal. It's pretty awesome. So yeah. well, that's cool that you still have that that um, curiosity where it's like, huh, I I don't know how to do this, but let me teach myself. And yeah, I feel like more people should do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cool. I mean, like, it's just something that it's just different, you know, and I think like, you know, I talk to a lot of creatives all the time and collaborate with a lot of creatives. And, you know, when it's just you kind of it becomes part of, part of your personality. And then, like, you know, when you go out into the basketball court or you go out into the field, I mean, like that that doesn't matter. You know, none of that even even relates to it. So you're kind of in a different world. And I really enjoy that that aspect of it. So. Yeah, I would encourage anybody to like um pick something that you have no clue how to do. Like I don't know how to shoot a bow and arrow, but that would be cool to learn. For sure. I'm yeah. going to stuck at it for a long time. Yeah, there you go. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've been talking about working out for like 10 minutes. People are like, "What the <laughs> fuck, man? I thought this was a horror podcast." <laughs> oh man. Well, the horrors of getting injured being active, you know. That's oh, a, that's my God, yeah. Too, yeah. Somebody should make a movie about that, like hitting middle age and, like, throwing your back <laughs> out because you sneezed. That's a, yeah. That's what scares me these days. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. Well, hey, man, like, Lunch Meat Spook House should uh, make a collaborative video. We call it, like, V8 Shredded or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, man. Yeah, so um, tell everybody about this lunch meat thing that you've been doing for a while. For those that don't know. So I've been doing lunch meat uh, for, man, since 2007 or so. And um, started the zine years ago with my buddy Ted Gilbert. We were working at Relapse Records. And, um, you know, we would hang out and just watch watch VHS tapes and, you know, uh, eat snacks and drink beers. And we were kind of like, there wasn't many people talking about, VHS, you know, movies at the time. And there was CritCon Online, Bleeding Skull, a few other people. And we we're like, we really want to talk about these movies that were only on tape, you know, because it, there was a lot of films at that time that just weren't making it to DVD and Blu-ray wasn't necessarily a thing then. And we just wanted to create a zine. You know, we were, we were both writing for uh, Relapse at the time, doing interviews with bands, writing uh, reviews for horror movies inside the mail order and and things like that. So we kind of just transferred that to uh, doing our own thing. Um, I had my own record label at the time as well. And I was just in a, um, just looking to create more stuff. And we were like, let's do this zine. Let's do it. And um, so we did. And then it just kind of grew from there, man. And it's just all about 
keeping VHS culture alive. And it's just, it's just changed so much, especially in the past five years. Um, mm. It's been really incredible to watch and, and see and have, have all come up and see how many different uh, pieces of art have come out and, and reissues and, and shows and all this other kind of stuff. And I've been heavily involved, but there's also a lot of other people that are doing great work. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, what, what record label did you, did you have? It was called Aesthetic Records. Um, okay. We did, yeah, we did a few records um, in the late 2000s. We did Zombie Cosmos. Um, we did an Ulver record. Uh, we did Necronology, which was Herman Kopp's performances collected onto one from all the Necromantic films and the Death King collected onto one LP. And I had another little side label um, that I put out a record from a band called Fight Amputation, also known as Fight Amp. So Okay. I've yeah, never heard a... of any of those bands, but I'm very familiar with like Relapse Records. I mean, I'm a mm-hmm. grew up listening to metal, still do. So like, I'm very familiar with Relapse. That's awesome. I had no idea that you used to work there. Yeah, I was there for like seven years, man. It was a really cool experience. So wow. Yeah, I started there when I was 19. So it was kind of like a kind of surreal and a dream job, you know, coming in there at 19 and uh, yeah. just being, being able to learn so much and working at relapse really taught me how to take something from just an idea and turn it into a real thing, you know, seeing the process of, uh, of taking, you know, a record and, and making it real and taking a, uh, an idea and turning it into a product. So I learned a lot there. Yeah. I think I was wrangling shopping carts at Sam's Club when I was 19. So your job was cooler than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was really, really fortunate, man. I mean, I worked really hard, but like, I, I definitely never take it for granted that I had a really great opportunity there. So. And where was, where were you living when you were working there? In Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, where Relapse is located. Okay. Um, but then I, I lived in Upper Darby for a while and I lived in Philly back and forth. Um, for many years so i was in phil i was located in philly for a very long time okay cool and you moved down to raleigh when 2018 okay had you ever been to a bojangles until you moved here no never went to never went to the jangles never had a bow time (laughs) yeah what was like some uh unexpected country shit like when you moved down here was there anything where you're like whoa I've never seen. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I grew up in a small South Jersey town, kind of a farm town. So uh-huh. there's like a lot of similar culture. Um, yeah. And Raleigh, Raleigh isn't that country. You know, oh, once you get yeah. once you once you get out into uh, other other counties and other towns, it feels much more like where I grew up. Um, but I started saying y'all uh, a little okay. bit. So that kind of stuff <laughs> a little bit. Um, the culture is mad different here. I mean, like in Philly. You know, you have a very distinct kind of uh, definitive culture up there, you know, as far as like being social with people and stuff and coming down here. It's absolutely different. Um, it's just a different feel, just a, the way people are and everything. And that took a little bit of adjustment. And um, other than that, nothing too crazy, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I grew up like an hour east of here in like country country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Raleigh is definitely a little more. For the most part, a little more progressive and yeah, it's not like backwoods country. Um, have there ever been like any unexpected lunch meat fans? Like, has anybody ever reached out to you like, whoa, Mel Gibson, you're a fit? Like, <laughs> yeah, Mel Gibson last week, actually. <laughs> He's like, hey, Josh. Uh, <laughs> or I don't know. Fucking, I don't know why I said Mel Gibson. 
Uh, no, I mean, it's perfect. It's, perfect. it's a good example. Uh, sure. I mean, there's definitely been people that I've been really flattered that even recognize my work, you know, over the years. And uh, Bob Murawski, uh hit me up a few times over the years and, you know, uh, Joe Bob Briggs. And, you know, they, okay. they just just knowing like what I do. And I mean, I think the coolest thing, man, is is connecting with people that are inside of the world, like uh, Gary Cohen from Video Violence. You know, I grew up loving video violence. You know, I got that movie when I was like 16, 17. And, you know, years later, I started to work with it and re-release it and work with Gary and just have friendly conversations with them. And you, know, you just start talking to filmmakers that created films that really inspire you. And they're like, hey, Lunch Meet's really cool. Like, this is awesome. And it's just, it's it's a really uh, fantastic feeling to have someone whose work you admire, a fellow creative, you know, just give you a compliment or recognize what you do. So it's been a really rewarding part of it. Um, but uh, let me see. Anybody else? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, uh, just just fellow creatives, you know, that, that aren't necessarily famous, but, uh, but that I do admire, like Tim League from that owns Alamo, you know, all the nice things he had to say to, to me about my work when, when they hired me on and everything. You know, I'm always surprised mm-hmm. that, that people, um, you know, ha- are so into it or or appreciate what the work is, you know, because work really hard on it. So it's nice to, to see people appreciate it. It's just always, it's, it's always a pleasure and really flattering. So. Yeah. Well, I think anybody that has built something from the ground up, like you've been doing lunch meat a lot longer than I've been doing this podcast, not to compare the two, but when I see like any like podcast or anything like that, and I see what they've done and how big they are, it's like, okay, I respect that because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's like a grind and a commitment to it. So it could be like literally anything, you know, it could be a a Disney podcast or something. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I might not listen to it, but I respect the hell out of you for being passionate about it and like staying with it. So, yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, like it's it's definitely a dedication thing. And, you know, that's where my passion is. And um I'm thankful for it every single day. You know, I see a lot of great artists that, that don't get any real recognition or, or don't get any kind of following. And they're just so talented at what they do. And I just feel really fortunate that anybody recognizes anything lunch meat does. It's just, that I feel really lucky. So, yeah. Awesome. So when, uh, uh well, I got to ask this real quick. So I know that, you know, you used to work at relapse and mm-hmm. in an issue of lunch meat, you did an interview with Phil and Selma. Yeah, I did. Okay. Now, I would like to think I'm cool enough to not get starstruck, but I feel like if I talked to Phil and Selma, I'd be like, uh, hi, Mr. and Selma. <laughs> Dude, it was insane. I mean, I, it, <laughs> I mean, I, I grew mean, up listening to Pantera. so I mean, same, dude. I mean, I, I love Pantera, uh, and, you know, Phil's a big horror fan. And yeah. how, how that happened was um, uh, he did a housecore horror fest, and they had a VHS room. They were supposed to, and Lunchmeat was going to sponsor it, you know, send some tapes up there, some goodies and things like that. I don't think it actually happened, um, but what happened was my friend Justin was like, hey, do you want to interview Phil for the magazine? I was like, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so we just did that, and, you know, I talked to him about a bunch of stuff, and it was it was surreal. It was definitely surreal, you know, talking to someone like that, and it kind of like, uh, you know, boomerangs back to what you said about, like, connections with people or, or anything like that, like, just – it's cool. It's, it was a really, really cool uh, time. It was really funny transcribing that interview, though, because was this a face-to-face interview or no? No, this is on the oh, phone. Okay, it was on the phone. Yeah, well, was on the phone. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Just talking, <laughs> like hearing his voice come through my phone and him not doing like vocals was <laughs> it's pretty. Well, awesome. let me tell you this, Josh, brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was back like that. But transcribing the interview, I mean, like he's he dropped the f bomb at least like three hundred times. So I. <laughs> I left it in there. I left it in there sometimes, but sometimes he, he would just be like, "Oh, fucking, fucking, fuck, fucking, fucking." It was pretty awesome. So, yeah, yeah that's cool, man. Yeah, he's true to life for sure. Yeah, I should just like throw a hell mary and send Phil an email and be like, "Hey, man, you want to talk horror, horror movies on the podcast?" He might. He might do it. Yeah. He might do it, dude. I mean, like he's he's a total super fan and he's super appreciative of of all the support and everything. And uh, he was he was nothing but nice to me. You know, and it, it was a really great interview, so I'm happy to, that I got was able to do it. Cool, cool. Yeah, I might, I might look into that. Um, so when did you start the video vortex at the Alamo Draft House in Raleigh? So it was 2018, pretty sure. Uh, it's been kind of a blur. It was such a crazy two years, but yeah, I moved down here and um, I believe it was, uh, it was right around my birthday, February 2018, and you know, I just picked up everything. Um, you know, I was living in Philly for like 15 years and, um, are you still at relapse? No, no, no. I stopped working at relapse years ago. I was actually working for Drexel university, um, in their student life department and, um, working with students and, um, you know, managing daily operations of, of the first year of students and, uh, sorority and fraternity housing. It's kind of a totally different thing. You know what I mean? Like you go from working in uh, the record industry and getting, working into the academic field. And it was really cool. It was a really rewarding time. I loved working with the students and everything. But, um, yeah, I was working at Drexel. And my buddy Zach Carlson gave me a call. Uh, and he's like, or he gave me a text. And he's like, hey, can I call you for a little bit? And I was like, sure. And I thought he was just going to ask me about a tape or something because that's what we always talk about, you know. Yeah. It just seemed like a casual thing. <laughs> and then he was uh, like, hey, do you want to? run a video store for Alamo draft house. And I was like, uh, what? Yeah. And this was like a Tuesday or something like a totally oh, wow. random day. And then I remember I was like, can I think about, it, you know, for a little bit? And he's like, sure. I just think you're the guy. And I was like, well, awesome. So I called my mom and dad right away. And I was like, Hey, this, this just happened. They were go do that. That's exactly what you're made for. And I'm like, yeah. So I called him back and said, yeah. And I went through the application process and I think they interviewed some other people, but I got it. So, um, and I just picked up my whole life, moved down here, and uh, built a video store with wow. with Alamo. Yeah, yeah. It's not very often you get like a, a true eight mile moment, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> it really was. It was truly incredible, you know. And uh, yeah, that's cool, man. Crazy experience for sure. So, Video Vortex was, of course, um, he had like over. 2000 VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Well, we had we had a lot more upstairs too, but I would keep about 2200 on the floor, and there's about 65, 68 thousand discs out there. So, yeah, I mean, I made many visits out there. Um, so it's they stopped doing it, or what well, happened? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the story is, you know, we closed down in March. Yeah, everything did. Um, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Like a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it was just totally up in the air. And uh, I think Alamo is starting to open back up, but they don't really seem to have any priority on the video store right now. And, um, you know, I mean, it, some shit went down and it's just they just don't seem interested in having the video store. And I've really tried to to just give them insight on how they can really use this video store to 
because the video rentals were free, as you know. Yeah. I, I don't know if the listeners know, but all the all the rentals were free. You know, you get two free a week, um, which was really incredible. And I told them, well, we were giving them free rentals for two years. I think it's a, you know, I think people would be interested and, and stoked to support and come in. I mean, like everybody's in pandemic. Don't you want to like rent some videos? And like I, I gave them a whole plan about how to do it and how to involve the community and, um, you know, just just kind of do that thing. And it's just I don't think that's a priority for them right now. I think they're trying to focus on getting their um, their their theaters back open. So, I mean, well, I don't get that because yeah, me neither, man. So, like, I mean, it's not like there was an inconvenience. What are they going to use that real estate for? To put no. more dining tables in there? I mean, you can't serve food right now, so like, why not just let you have it? No idea. Couldn't tell you. Well, that fucking sucks. And yeah, that. I think it's more like logistics. Like they don't, they feel like they can't run it. They don't have the resources is what I was told. And I was like, I'm right here. Like I'm five minutes away. What, Um, like what resources do people to like hand you the DVD that they selected? Like, I I don't know, man. It's kind of whack, dude. I mean, like I, I still got a lot of love for, for Tim League. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, I love that dude. He's a great dude. You know, I talk to him on the regular and, I think he wants that too. I mean, like I gave him that idea and he's not the CEO anymore of Alamo and someone's in a new position and, you know, it, they just flat out said in one sentence, like we do not have the resources to, to support this. And, um, it's heartbreaking, dude. Honestly, like I really feel like the, a video store, you know, you have the third, second or third largest video store in the country just sitting there. Yeah. I went, I went in there recently and just to stop in and say what's up and, um, everything's taken down all of the videos and all the DVDs are covered with sheets. And it was, it was seriously like, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready, ready for that vision, you know, just seeing like all the things that I built there with, with, with my friends and my, my colleagues and um, it's just deconstructed and everything's covered up and it it really broke my heart. It was really hard to deal with because, you know, it's something that I put my heart and soul into, you know, and, and really loved. And it was just weird. It's just a weird thing to like not be able to, to have that resource there for people. You know, I feel like having a video rental store is amazing in itself, but being able to offer some, you know, your community, a video rental store in a pandemic, you know, um, it's, it's, it would be incredible, but I just, I don't know why they're just, it's not a priority for them right now. Hmm. That's what it seems like. So, yeah, that, that totally sucks, man, because I mean, that's what made the Alamo in Raleigh unique. I mean, I, I used to love like, you know, going to catch a movie and 30, I, I would get there like 30 minutes before just so I could, you know, look through all the movies and that's bullshit, man. I, <laughs> if there's anything you need me to do, like, we'll get, yeah, the, write them. Tell we'll, ra- we'll rally, we'll get the spook house troops on them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to talk poorly about them i mean like they give me a lot of great opportunities and stuff but i mean it's it's it it is frustrating when you give someone a full you know a plan on how to do it and say uh, you can support this and i there's there's models you know like videodrome is still doing it videotech is still doing it like there's tons of video stores that are still maintaining and surviving and entertaining people in this pandemic because they have to like they Uh have no they have no other choice but to do it and they do an amazing thing and i mean it's just 
I don't know. I, I just don't understand. But I mean, it, it's a corporation, dude. I mean, as a business owner myself, I making a hard business decision, especially if it makes financial sense. But mm-hmm. I just don't see the logic here. I mean, fi- it, it seemed like there w- wasn't really much of a financial burden. So, I mean, I could understand like, well, we're going to bring in this thing. So we need this, the real estate on the floor. We need this to do that. But it's like, Sorry, you're gonna, yeah. So it's like, why the fuck would you just cover everything up with a sheet? And I just don't get it. I could respect it if it. If it was for a reason that made sense, like, oh, that sucks, but I get it. But it's just like, well, that sucks, but why? You know? I think it's because it takes a, it, they run a lot of operations from that concierge desk. You know, they do tickets and, and they do merchandise and they do, um, they do rentals, you know, and all the rentals, you know, you have to pool the rentals and, you know, have to put them away and you have to keep track of it and all that kind of stuff. And I think that they're, that was something that we were constantly figuring out and constantly adjusting and constantly like, you know, trying to make it better. And, 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 you know, everybody was super pleased with, with the rental um, operation, you know, on the outside. And I think that internally, because what I really think it is, is that those rentals were free. So there was no money coming in from that rental. You know right. what I mean? And, and, but it added, like you said, a cultural aspect that was just incomparable to anything else. And, I think that was the value and, you know, I think they still balk at it because they, they think that it's going to take a lot of people power to, to run that. And I don't necessarily agree. I think it'd be pretty streamlined, but I mean, again, it's a whole process that you have to figure out. It's a logistical process. So yeah. Did you come with them like with an idea of like, well, fuck it, just charge two bucks a rental. Absolutely. Yeah. So what my idea was, you know, to, you know, we gave them, we gave the community free rentals for a long time, but, you know, everybody's struggling and, you know, we don't, our theaters aren't open. So now we're charging, you know, uh, $2 a rental, you know, yeah. and, and you, you coming in and renting, you know, you're supporting this, this building, this entity, this, this whole culture. Um, and you get to watch movies. Um, you know, and then I gave them ideas to like do two rentals and a pizza for, for X amount of dollars. You know what I mean? And then you, that's a really cool thing, you know, and yeah. uh, they just didn't bite. So, yeah, that's lame. I mean, I remember when I would rent stuff from there. If honestly, it kind of felt weird to rent it for free. <laughs> I'd be like, so I just take these. They're like, yeah, yeah. Like, yep. you don't want money for, okay. <laughs> I mean, I can give you money. I don't care, but. Yeah, I think the idea was like if you got free rentals, you know, maybe you stick around and drink a beer while you were looking through them or something like that. And, and it did work. You know, obviously, you know, the bar the bar did really well and it, it worked. It's just I think, you know, the more business minded people were like, you're giving this away for free. But like that's part of the charm is that we're offering a service, you know, because it's all about movies. I mean, it's a perfect storm. I mean, you're going into a place to watch movies and then you can come out and then you can browse 70,000 titles with a person, you know, AKA me and, and a bunch of other staff that really care about film and want to connect you with these films. And, you know, it's, it's free, you know, it, yeah. it's, it, it's an amazing thing, but yeah, I, that was the plan is just, you know, have people like say, Hey, you know, we're, we're in a place now and we'd really appreciate your support. Come get some rentals or two bucks, you know, and it, it just didn't happen, man. So I don't, I don't know. I don't make those decisions. I'm only the person, I'm the cheerleader and I'm, I'm trying to give them ideas. So, 
Yeah, is there a possibility that they could like where are all those tapes and movies at? They're still on the floor, just covered in sheets. All you gotta do is remove that sheet. There you go, dumbasses. <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> yeah, I know somebody from Alamo is gonna hear this, and they're gonna be like, no, Josh, no, no, no. no, no. I mean, but dude, I mean, I gotta be honest. I mean, this is my passion. This is my life. You no, know, this was I mean, me saying dumbasses. I'm sorry. I'll take the heat on that one. No, dude. I mean, it's. I'm sure they want to do it. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that they they're. I mean, they have to make a lot of hard fiscal decisions, man, you know, and it just sucks when when the money symbol comes into things. And it's just like, but I truly believe that if they could launch that, relaunch it and have the the videos cost, you know, a couple bucks or even a buck or just something, you know, I mean, I feel like you could you can get some revenue in there and it would help support the building and you would make your community happy because they have an outlet to come watch the movies and support a place they really care about. So. I thought it was a great idea, but they didn't even let me on the doorstep with it. So, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer, man. Well, uh, yeah, hey, well, who knows? Hopefully, it'll yeah. come back. Yeah, we'll see. Well, not to get too down on ourselves. Um, let's talk awesome. about some horror movies. Hell yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, so you know, it's uh almost Halloween coming up. Mm-hmm. So whenever you feel like getting in the spirit, what are some go-to movies for you like yeah it's october let me throw this on yo i love idle hands i always oh idle that's hands a good year. one yeah i love idle hands um i watch a lot of halloween stuff like uh halloween trick-or-treat um the jeremiah films christian scare i always watch that um halloween the happy haunting of america hosted by dr shocker which is an incredible documentary about halloween and just horror in general um that's really cool uh spooky world tape Spooky World is this incredible, uh, it was this incredible, um, haunted, uh, attraction. Um, you know, it had Kane Hodder narrating the video and there was so many cool, uh, Tom Savini was involved and there was just such, so many cool, um, personalities and, and talents involved with it. Um, never heard of that one. Yeah. So those are all like pretty much special interests besides Idle Hands, but, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I, I'm always in, into horror movies, but I mean, I what have I been watching? Night of the Demons. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know. I watched The Gate recently. I always watch The Gate, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, Halloween. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Halloween. Can't, can't go wrong with Halloween. I watched House recently. You know, it's just, it's. I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like. The stuff that gets me in the mood for Halloween is is kind of just going through my tape room and and just watching stuff that strikes me. I mean, like it, I don't I don't know. Idle Hands was the one where like it's just like that was probably the first one this year where I was like, man, I really feel like to just get in a Halloween spirit, and it was perfect. Yeah. And it's yeah, such a cool movie. It doesn't get enough love, man. That's like one of the best horror comedies ever, and it's a stoner comedy, and it's just so good and it's so funny. So. Yeah, and coincidentally, it was filmed in the same neighborhood as Halloween in yeah. Pasadena. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, recently that's watched, I recently watched Horror Effects, um, which is pretty much just a Tom Savini documentary, but it's uh, it was really really it's a really cool tape. It's on Scimitar and just a low budget kind of like almost it's I think it's shot on video documentary of Tom Savini, and he just talks about his career and stuff, and that's really cool. And there's so many cool visuals. Um, uh. I don't know. I watch mixtapes. My buddy uh, put out a mixtape called I Remember Halloween. 
and, you know, I have some other Halloween mixtapes, you know, the VHS culture, uh, you know, the people in it like really, you know, they're all bootlegs, but they're like bootleg mixtapes. So it's really cool. You know, there's a yeah. lot of like great, great content and, you know, people trade for them and that's a really cool aspect of it that I really enjoy. So, um, Ernest scared stupid. Always. Good. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> that's, that's in the stack right now. Ernest scared stupid is definitely going on, um, this week. Um, I was actually on a podcast yesterday and uh, we talked about Halloween 2 and I was like, man, I haven't seen Halloween 2 since I was like 20. I just wow. feel like that's uh. the one I haven't really, I don't know, it's weird. You know, everybody's probably like, what? But I mean, it's uh. Halloween, first one, and I, I like Halloween 3, I like Season of the Witch. I know people hate on that, but. Um. It's got some good atmosphere. Um, as like a diehard Halloween series fan, I ignoring the fact that Michael Myers isn't in it, I don't really care that he's not in it, but like the movie itself is okay. I like the yeah. soundtrack. I like John Carpenter's score and I want to like that movie more than I do. It's just, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I need to rewatch it. But uh, I like it a lot. I, I think like, I, I know that because, you know, Myers isn't in it. People are like, what, what the hell? But I mean, I think you got to look at that movie by itself. You know what I mean? And see how yeah. that movie is. I mean, cause yeah. it's super iconic. You know, the silver shamrock masks are, are definitely like super iconic and, and mm-hmm. get you in the spirit and stuff. So, yeah. Speaking of Ernest, um, about a week ago, I was in a thrift store and I found the first four Ernest movies on VHS. So that's camp, jail, Christmas and scared stupid. Like I mean, two bucks. I was like, how do, uh, how do you go wrong? Can't go like, wrong with that, dude. Uh, yes, I'll buy these. <laughs> oh man, I love Ernest. He's he is definitely like a comfort comfort thing for me, you know. And I grew up watching. I think we all grew up watching his films. And yeah, um, you know. So, but yeah, Scared Stupid is so good. It's so much fun. It so, is. Yeah. yeah. And it's a bummer. Jim Varney isn't around anymore. Yeah, he gave us a lot though. He gave us a lot to remember him by, and a lot of entertainment. So, yeah, I did an episode on Ernest Scared Stupid actually, and um, kind of did like a deep dive into his personal life and everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have you ever seen like any of his dramatic roles. I don't know. I think like, so. He's a he's a legit, really good actor. Oh, absolutely, he's a fantastic yeah. actor. Yeah. And I, I kind of uh, pontificated that if he were still alive today, I feel like he would have been great in like a, like a indie horror, like just kind of unexpected. Like, dude, is that fucking Ernest? Like, just as like a horror villain, you know? Uh, he would be the king of the cameo. Oh, absolutely. You know yeah. Kind of like uh, Robin Williams and One Hour Photo. Like, give <laughs> him a role like that, you know? Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah, like <laughs> a real mind blower. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What are some, what's maybe like a, a recent horror movie you've watched that kind of blew you away? Like anything kind of jump out at you? Like, for example, I just saw Mandy. Mandy was great. Um, I loved it. I saw it in the theater and I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, the movie's wild. I, yeah. I, it's super wild. I really loved Hereditary. Oh, Hereditary. Um, yes. Yeah. Hereditary was fantastic. Um, I mean, that one scene where she is on the floor and freaking out, I mean, yeah. I, you can just feel that. Like, she got snubbed for a oh, that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about when Tony Collette found her decapitated daughter's body and just... Yeah, and her husband's holding her, and she's like, oh, I just want to 
die. Like you yeah. can feel it. You can <laughs> yes. feel it, man. And um, I love you know the bizarre nature of it, and you know all that. I did watch Midsummer. And what do you think of that? It. I thought it was okay. Like I Same. mean. I, I thought it was okay. I mean, uh, there was it was really hyped up, and sometimes that affects the way you watch a film. I tried to, you know, dispel that when I watched it. I watched it with my dad when I was visiting him recently, and um, he liked it. Uh, I think it was a lot of – it lacked, like, I don't know. I think it, it just felt like it didn't have a lot of substance to me. But, like again, I could be missing something, and I should watch it again. But Hereditary really just – punched me in the gut and i really thought it was really good yeah um i don't know if you consider the lighthouse a horror movie but i thought that was terrific i really enjoyed that but i mean i gotta be honest man i'm in a time warp i watch a lot of tapes uh. so <laughs> i try to i try to watch new stuff and stay up to date i have started watching um uh, lovecraft country i i'm in like a okay i keep hearing three, about that two or three episodes in it's fun it's really funny uh not funny it's really it's fun and it's, it's crazy. Um, there are funny moments, but, um, thought it's well done. I'm enjoying it so far. Okay. Um, what else? Anything else that's new? I feel like I saw some recently that I was like, Oh man, I got to make a note of that. And I'm totally blanking on them, but that's uh, all good. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I feel, I feel bad, dude. I mean, I mean, like I, I should be watching more new horror movies, but like I said, I'm in a time warp and I'm just, I like, there's so much, New to me stuff, you know, because I'm getting tapes and there's, you know, tapes that I've had for a month that I haven't watched. And I'm, I'm just constantly, like, ingesting that kind of stuff. So, um, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, to kind of um, bring it back to midsummer, I'm, I'm right there with you. I was like, it was okay. I mean, I had no desire to watch it again. I saw it at the Alamo once and I was like, all right. I mean, visually, it was stellar. You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, visually, it's really good. I mean, yeah. it looks amazing. I just, I don't know. I feel like it, it just didn't grab me, you know, and it, it wasn't something that I would go back and watch. I, I would rewatch Hereditary, though. I thought that was, oh, a great yeah. Film. yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that like maybe four or five times or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I appreciated the VHS copy at the Alamo of Hereditary. <laughs> I picked yeah, that yeah. up. I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cover had like the decapitated head on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. Who and, made that? Uh, my friend Tyler Bell. Okay. Shout out yeah, to he, Tyler. Yeah. You know, Tyler's the man, dude. Seriously. Like he does a lot of custom stuff and it is amazing. Um, you know, it's all unofficial, but he really puts a lot of like creativity and artwork and, you know, all this other kind of stuff into it. And they're really fun. Um, he does a lot of great, it's called out of print video is what he does. And I'm actually going to be working with him, uh, on our, on an official release coming up, hopefully at the end of this year for heavy metal parking lots. So yes. Yeah. God, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I showed a uh, heavy metal parking lot at a VH festival in Raleigh this year. And Jeff Krulik came out and it was, it was really awesome. Super fun. Um, and we decided that we should put heavy metal parking lot with a bunch of other really cool extras on VHS. So that official release should be forthcoming from lunch meet really soon. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I kind of wanted to start quoting heavy metal parking lot, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Hell Madonna, yeah. Party. She's dick. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah party. party. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you saw Rob Halford right now? 
I'd jump his bones. I'd jump his bones. <laughs> I love the accents, man, because like where I, I don't know if people can hear it in my voice, but I mean I can hear it when I hear my voice that I sound like I'm from New Jersey. Well, that you know, was in Jersey. That's right. Uh, it's a, it was in Maryland, right? I want to say it was in Jersey at a Judas Priest show in Jersey. I feel like it was Maryland. I don't know, but now I'm second guessing myself. But um, because oh, I think it is Jersey because. Uh, I remember at one point they were like, where are you from? And that girl's like, Glenn Burney. <laughs> I think I looked up Glenn Burney. It was in New Jersey or something. <laughs> oh, man. And that's such a great time capsule and such a great just viewpoint of, of how things were then. And, um, you know, because on the we're going to have a lot of we're going to have some stuff like catching up with the people that were in heavy metal parking lot. You know what I mean? And nice. The guy in the zebra pants, he's, he's like totally not into it. It's so, yeah. it's so funny. I saw, didn't somebody already kind of do that? Like somebody caught up mm-hmm. with that guy. Yeah, they, they were produced a lot of content afterward and, um, you know, just kind of reflecting on it and everything. So we'll have a bunch of that stuff on there too. Yeah, so. I think he's like a lawyer now or something. <laughs> yeah. Or he, was all he, like, li- like, uh, he listens to country music now or something. I don't know. It's, just, it's so weird. What do you think about punk rock music? It belongs on fucking Mars, man. <laughs> and Madonna, she's a dick. <laughs> uh, she's a dick. I mean, oh. you know, beers, man. Graham, yeah. like Grandma Coke. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's oh, fantastic. It. <laughs> fantastic oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, everybody listening, if you've never seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot, just watch it on YouTube real quick. It's only like, what, 10 minutes? or It's, it's a short minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, in your your many travels of VHS hunting, mm-hmm. have you ever bought a tape thinking it was one thing, but it was like somebody recorded over like I don't know, maybe you thought it was gonna be like some funny church thing, but it's like a a snuff film or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, there's definitely stuff that got overdubbed. Um, one of the funniest things I, I got a copy of Mama Dracula uh, with at a local thrift store here in Raleigh actually recently maybe like a year ago and it said it says Mama Dracula it's a trans world it didn't have a case but I got it anyway because it's semi rare film and uh, I've seen it before it's not that great but I was this guy popped it in just to you know revisit it and then. I, I noticed on the on the label it said Mama Dracula and it had it scratched out and it said terrible on it. Uh. <laughs> and then I put it on and it was um some TV movie. I forget what it is now, but like they taped over Mama Dracula with some TV movie, so it was pretty funny. I keep it because it's such a cool thing. Oh wow! Um, early on, I think you know when I found like you would find boxes and tubs of, of VHS tapes, and you know you don't. At first, I wasn't really checking the tapes. You know, you would just see the cover and you'd be like, oh, house, sick. I'm going to grab this. Then you go home and you open it up and it's like got Beauty and the Beast in it or something. And like, right. Yeah. That's happened before for sure. Um, but I mean, no, I mean, like never a snuff film or anything. Thank goodness. Cause that, would be, <laughs> yeah. that would be horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Sorry I took that dark, by the way. <laughs> no, you're fine. Man. That's, that's, that's the world of VHS. There's, there is everything on tape, yeah. you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I always get kind of curious when I see, like, those blank VHS tapes at the thrift store. I'm like, I kind of want to see what's on those. 
Well, those are the best, man. I mean, because the thing is, is like, yeah, I mean, everybody collects pre-records. You know, a lot of people like are going after, you know, the the hot horror tapes or or pre-records or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the the commercially manufactured tapes is what I mean by pre-records. And like, but when I go to thrift stores, I used to go to the bins all the time when I lived in Philly. There was a, in Belmar, New Jersey, right over the bridge, there's a wonderful Goodwill with, uh, in the bins. You know, I don't know if any people know what the bins are, but it's like unsorted. And you would have to go in with the gloves and like dig through all this trash, but you would find, you know, people's home videos. And some of my favorite finds in the wild are definitely like people's home videos. And I think I've wrote about this in Lunch Meet before, but there's, there is this like voyeuristic aspect to it because you're watching a home video that wasn't made for public consumption. Yeah. But I think it's super fascinating, you know, because it's, it's a real timepiece, you know, like mm-hmm. I found tapes. I remember this one instance where I bought Blood Diner at at a local flea market in jersey maybe in my early 20s and i was just hanging out with my buddy downstairs um in my basement um at my parents house and i was like let's watch blood diner he's like cool and i I was like huh it doesn't have a label and i just stuck it in and all of a sudden it's just like two dudes in like cut off jean shorts just like talking to a camera and drinking Coors Light and talking about the barbecue they're going to have later. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. I thought it was awesome. I was like, dude, this is so fascinating. And my buddy's like, after like three or four minutes of watching it, he's like, dude, I was like, what? He's like, turn this off. This is weird. <laughs> and I was like, what? Why is it weird? He's like, because this is weird. This is like somebody else's home video. And I'm like, uh, okay. And then I think at that moment I realized how weird I really was and, and like, how much I'm into that, and but I mean, I've, I I love that stuff, and especially stuff taped from TV because it has all the commercials, right? And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that that ephemeral material is so hard to find and almost impossible to find, and VHS saves a lot of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I totally get what you mean. It's it's kind of like uh, it's just a, a little moment in time, you know. Like I'll go down rabbit holes sometimes. I'll go on YouTube and watch like um footage taken from inside a gas station in 1986 and they're just like walking around talking to their friends and yeah it's weirdly fascinating well because it's it's raw and it's real it's authentic Mm -hmm. you know like i mean when you watch a movie from that time i mean obviously there's a script and there's there's some sort of you know uh uh not pretension but you know there's some sort of um fictional aspect to it you know what I mean? And they're, they're practiced and they're trying to act and, and create a world. And I think when you, when you watch people's home videos, it's just people. It's like cultural artifact. It's just how, this is how people were in 1987. And you look at the clothes they're wearing, the way they speak, what they're talking about, the way the Sprite bottle looked, you know, yeah. the, the kind of decor on the wall. Yep. And it's, and it's a really fascinating, uh, like I said, authentic look at, at, at life at that time. Um, so it is fascinating to me. Like I, I got a tape one time. It was just people playing pool and it was the worst pool game I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like seriously, it was 45 minutes and like it took a while for them to get down to the last ball. And I swear to you, it took 20 minutes for them to sink the last ball. I was fast boarding through it, but it was incredible, dude. Like <laughs> it, they didn't give up, which I thought was really awesome. Yeah. And they were having a great time. It was just cool stuff. Yeah. Cool, cool material. Yeah, man. Um, do you do much VHS hunting these days? Are you hitting up I mean, the thrift stores and yeah, I mean, I still go once in a while. I mean, the pandemic's made it a little weird, you know what yeah. I mean. But uh, I think 
Yeah, I mean, that's where, I, that's where my love started for VHS tapes is finding them in the wild. I mean, finding, going out and finding rad tapes, you know, at thrift stores and flea markets and, and dirt malls and stuff. I mean, that was really the thrill of the hunt is something that, that made me fall in love with this hobby and, and, you know, really just, just steep myself in the culture. You know, you go out and you get this rush. There's like this incomparable rush of, of, you feel like you're finding treasure. You feel like you're finding Absolutely. gold. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, with VHS coming up in the past five years and all the prices shooting up and stuff, people know what they have now. And it's, it's hard to find that kind of stuff in the wild. You know, it's getting way harder. So, yeah, I've noticed that as well. Um, man, I hit like a dry spell. Well, up until my earnest score. Um, yeah, that was sweet, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like, because all it takes is one dude like me or you to just wipe out that place. You get one guy in there that like knows what yeah. to look for. It's like, I'll take that, that, that. And, you know, after one, after one person hits it, like, Unless there's some new stuff they put out and you get lucky and you catch it on the right day, then yeah, it's, it's definitely a little harder to find, to find the good stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, I, I do go after those home, home dub tapes and you go after special interest tapes and stuff because I don't think those have really, the collector market has kind of gravitated towards horror sci-fi cult films, you know, and those get harder to find, but there's still tons of golden material out there, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, UFO tapes, you know, lose weight now through hypnosis. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. the, the fart video, like cops tapes, garbage day, like, yeah, tape, well, karate lessons. You know, yeah. Like speaking of all those kind of tapes, everybody listening, check out lunch meets YouTube channel. So I guess you just like upload like your favorite stuff like that right like yeah i try to i mean the, the youtube was something that i i never really like employed very much and i'm trying to do it more but dude honestly like i'm trying to upload obscure stuff right but i just got hit with a copyright notice on it for about what lose weight now through hypnosis oh <laughs> they, they, they gave me a strike and the person that reported it was the doctor who created it so i'm like geez man like people are all over this stuff and wow um so, I mean, I think, you know, I try to upload the more obscure stuff and, um, you know, I'm, I'm building it right now, but I mean, there, there, there's some stuff up there for sure that you can enjoy. So I appreciate that shout out and I'm going to keep building it. And I don't know, man, I'm just not really good at technology, you know, and, you know, I started doing the magazine and, you know, doing public events and, you know, things like that. And that was where the focus is and, you know, doing apparel and, and cool, like, you know, just lifestyle gear and, and all that kind of stuff and just doing everything I can. So, I mean, the YouTube was something that like, I never really thought about. And I was like, ah, I guess I'm going to start adding some stuff. So I've been doing that. Yeah. yeah. I need to do that myself. I need to get the spook house YouTube channel going, but yeah, man, all that stuff, like stickers, merch, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it takes like, you got to teach yourself that shit, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah, you don't want like uh that Blink One Eighty Two kid copyright striking you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Dude? Dude, I would love, I would see. That's the thing. I would love for that kid <laughs> to reach out to me and be like, "Hey, man, can you please take this down? This is really embarrassing." And I'm like, "Can I please interview the site and please, can we just talk about what this is?" And all right, guys, everybody listening right now, you you have to watch this video. It's well, you describe it, Josh. So do you 
people might remember going to like Great Adventure or some sort of theme park or something, and they had this little hut where you would go in and do lip syncing to uh, a song, and it was like TLC Waterfalls or or something like that. But this kid did a Blink One Eighty Two song. It's all the small things, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, this kid is killing it. I mean, he's got like a sideways visor. He's wearing, he's wearing, turned upside like, down, turned upside down. I mean, he's, <laughs> it's lit and it's just amazing. And it's just such a cool snapshot. But I think a lot of us did, did those karaoke or those uh, lip sync karaoke videos. Um, I did one. I did one when I was like 11 or 10 with two of my buddies, uh, my friend Jody and my friend Zach. And I think there was another person, but we did, I just had it. What was it? Offspring. We did an offspring. Song. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I would kill for that tape. I don't know where that oh, is now, man. but. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that the whole video is just this kid miming guitar to <laughs> all the small things. And dude, when I found that when I saw that the other night, I almost woke up my girlfriend. I was fucking <laughs> owling. I was like, holy shit. Oh, that's amazing. Man. It's truly amazing. I and that's that's the kind of stuff that I love finding. it's called um Superstar something. I think that's what it was called, but it's like a little hut. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, people would go in there and just do that. I think people, some people would remember it, but it, it's so fun, you know, and if, if I ever do find that kid that's doing that Blink-182 song, like, please hit me up. Like, please, I would love to talk to you. Um, on a similar note, I uploaded something called, uh, the over the hill workout. I was about to bring that up. Yeah. I watched yeah. that one too. Did you see that somebody commented on it and was like, yo, that's my dad. No. Yeah, Holy bro. shit. So the address that they had on the screen, like after the tape is over, it was like Akron, Akron, Ohio, blah, blah, blah. And with a phone number, I Googled that and I was like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to like find some info on this. I didn't find much. Yeah. But whatever business it was, it said it had closed. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> so that dude is like, he's like, funny story. This is my dad in this video. And I was like, please hit me up. I would love to talk to you and your dad about making this video. Oh and- man. So yeah, guys, this video is, it's 10 minutes long and it's called the over the hill workout. And it's a guy in a wife beater with a giant belly. He goes to sit on a recliner and he watches a workout tape while eating pretzels and drinking beer. And it's 10 minutes of that. Just like, okay, now rest the beer can on your belly for a couple minutes. Yo, and yeah, and it's incredible. It is truly like, how did, what is this? Like, it's totally like a gag gift, but I mean, like, they did produce this and like, they probably made a bunch of money off of it or at least some money. I mean, like, if people would buy a video of anything in the nineties. And I think like, the other thing that really fascinated me is someone else commented on it and they were like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, this is Aqua Teen Hunger Force right now. Like, if you think about it, he's, he's that character. Like, he looks oh, just yeah. like him. He's Carl. in the, it, yeah. Carl. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, it's really if you look at the comments, you, you'll see like what he's saying. And I'm like, man, I didn't think about this, but that's kind of on the nose. And it's really funny. Hmm. Yeah. He's like, I'm waiting for Meatwad to walk in here. What's going on here? <laughs> so because it, it kind of like looks like Carl and Carl's last name is some really long, really long name. But the actual name of the person that's playing the character is eerily similar to Carl's name. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting huh. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, also Pagan Invasion, that was a fun watch about right, the yeah. dangers of Halloween. Oh, yeah, man. that's one of the ones that I mentioned that gets me in the spirit, so. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> Nothing like a little Pagan Invasion to set the mood. 
that's really cool because in the beginning it, it really shows a lot of cool because you're at a, a home video convention, you know, like when they're showing like when they're trying to sell all the tapes and you know all that oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you see like a, a 20 foot blood salvage and a 20 foot Frankenhooker talking box, and it's really cool, really cool shit on there. Yeah, so everybody go check out the Lunch Meat YouTube channel. Lots of fun shit up there. Do people ever find like I've this has happened to me? Like my girlfriend will find. Because she knows I like to collect tapes and stuff. Not as much as you, but I collect a lot of horror stuff. She'll find, like, jackpots out in the wild. Like, there was one day she sent me a picture. She had three tapes in her hand. It was, like, an original Friday the 13th release, a Texas Chainsaw Video Treasures release, and a Halloween media release. She was like, are these good? And I'm like, uh, yeah, fucking buy those now. <laughs> get, get, run out of the store. Go. Just yeah, leave. but like, I, I hunt all the time for tapes and I never find anything at that level of like, holy shit. But she seems to find better stuff than me. So have you like, you know, like maybe like your mom or somebody it was like, hey, Josh, uh, have you heard of this tape? <laughs> oh, hell yeah, man. I mean, my mom, when, my mom and dad are super supportive and they're super awesome people. I'm very fortunate and they definitely look out for me all the time and not so much anymore. Cause you know, my parents are getting older and, and cause of the pandemic and they don't go out. But I mean, um, one time this girl I was dating at the time was in Texas for something. And I, I was back at the house and she texted me and she was like, she showed me, she took a picture of a table with a bunch of tapes on it. And she's like, let me know if you see anything. And there was a copy of this movie called Slaughterville. And I like zoomed in on it, re- recapped it. I was like, what the hell is this? I don't know what this is. And she's like, do you want me to get it? It's a quarter. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and it turns out that Slaughterville is like one of the more rare tapes that I own. I think there was only like 30 or 40 copies made. Wow. But yeah, so she found that for me. Shout out to Carolyn for doing that. Um, you know, we're not dating anymore. We're still friends, but, uh, yeah, that's totally one of those things. And, you know, I have friends hit me up all the time. They're like, hey, man, I have these tapes. Do you want them? And usually it's it's nothing like too crazy. But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, people people are always looking out. It's great. Yeah, cool. All right, Josh. So I'll, maybe you can settle this question for me. Sure. You know, all the uh, like the old Disney VHS tapes, like the Black Diamond edition. Oh, that's, my God. That's total bullshit, right? Complete bullshit, yeah. But the thing is, if you go on eBay, some of them have sold. Like a copy of The Lion King for... I have a theory. I think it's like one dude and his buddy just like... Do you ever see that Beavis and Butthead episode where they buy the candy, same candy bar? They they keep swapping the same dollar back and forth? Yeah. And like they, they just eat all the candy? They're like, here, here's a dollar. I think that's what they're doing. They're just like... Well, we'll just send this thousand bucks back to each other, create like a market for these black diamond tapes, and people will be like, well, they're selling on eBay for a thousand bucks. See, see the whole story to that is it kind of starts from my research and stuff. It it starts on BuzzFeed years and years ago. They're like, hey, this stuff in your basement might be worth money. Mm. And they listed somebody listed Beauty and the Beast. For a thousand dollars, and they put the post up, and it doesn't mean it sold for a thousand dollars, right? Yeah, just, you could you could list your left shoe for a million dollars. Doesn't make it exactly. worth that. 
So it started there, and then, you know, BuzzFeed is a very viral website. So people started seeing that, and they're like, oh, I have that, you know? And what I think is that when people, when you see those sold, that's just money laundering. That's people sending money through to to each other through eBay. So it's like you want to send somebody $2,000, right? Or you want to push $2,000 through a transaction. You sell something on eBay for $2,000, and then you give them that money, and then that's a way to funnel it through with a, like, quote-unquote, legit channel. So I think that when people do that, there might be people out there buying it for that much. I mean, it's crazy that they're doing that because you can go yeah. to a thrift store right now and find Beauty and the Beast for a dollar. Yeah. But it's definitely not worth that much. It's definitely a fallacy. It's definitely just a, an insane – it's a bad piece of journalism that has turned into a phenomenon. It's like, stop – let's stop perpetuating this, like – Black Diamond VHS, nah, that's bullshit. Yeah, it, it's it's completely bogus, you know. And I think that people that are in the VHS world and know that for sure. And it's it's become like a like kind of a, a dead horse joke at this point, you know what I mean? Like, and people they like can go to thrift stores and see Disney tapes for like forty, fifty dollars because they think it's worth a lot of money. And I don't know, it's just it's something that has. It's one of the biggest VHS, like, bogus phenomenons I've ever seen, you know, and um, I've written about it on the site and everything and it tried to, com- you know, assure people that this is not real. You know what I yeah. mean? And, but I mean, you, you know, those those articles that do perpetuate it, you know, people want to believe that the things they have in their basement are worth thousands of dollars. And I think that's that's how it keeps going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are they not any- real? Yeah, not real BuzzFeed, you fuckers. Are there <laughs> any other like similar things in the VHS world where it's like, oh, that makes my blood boil, you fuckers? <laughs> other um, than I mean, like the Black Diamond thing. I don't know. I, I think it's the pricing on tapes has gone insane. Like, um, mm. you know, you see copies of movies where they made thousands and thousands of them and, and they go for like $200, you know, because it's a hot tape, like, like street trash or, or something like that, you know, and you see leprechaun sell for like 40 bucks or I don't know. I'm just pulling titles out of my, out of my butt. But I think it's like, it, that's kind of, it's prohibitive, you know? And, and I think, it, you know, I've had conversations with people. I remember this one time I went into this uh, place called groovy graveyard in uh, Asbury park, New Jersey. And he had some really cool tapes up on the wall, but the prices were really high. He had like, you know, 80 bucks, 100 bucks on it. And I went over to him. I was like, hey, man, cool tapes. Like, uh, that's the prices are crazy now. And he's like, yeah, well, that's your fault, Josh. And I was like, what? Like, he knew who I was. And then also he was like, because Lunchmeat covers it all the time, has been covering it for years, it drives up the price. And I think there's a there's definitely an ounce of truth to that. But I think like it's all supply and demand, right? Like, I mean, mm. you put something on eBay, you know, and if people have a bidding war. I mean, it's going to keep going up, you know? So, yeah, that's kind of agitating to me, but I also think that that's, that's the nature of the culture now is people want, people want this tape. And if there's like five, six, seven, 12 people that, that want this tape, the price is going to get driven up. And then all of a sudden it becomes the norm, you know, and it's, it's just crazy. So, yeah. And also think that, well, just from what I see on Instagram with, you know, um, it seems like a lot of younger people are really getting into the VHS culture. So, 
Yeah, that has something to do with it as well. Which I guess is a good thing that people are getting into tapes and everything. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it is a good thing. You know, I think it's it's a good thing that people are seeing are getting into the format because it's such an important and cool format. Um, you know, I think there's nostalgia for people more our age and then the people that are younger. Like, what is this cool thing that I don't really know that much about? And then they see the Instagram VHS culture and which has just exploded over the past few years. And it's cool to see people into it. Like, it, it makes me happy to see people like like be excited by it or be enthusiastic or passionate about it. You know, but I mean, I think. I don't even buy tapes online anymore. Like I was lucky and I got a lot of really cool tapes when I was younger, but I mean the, the prices, like I said, are really prohibitive now. And it, it's tough to like even get a, uh, you know, a copy of, um, you know, like Night of the Demons, it's like $50 or something. And it's like, God damn, like, I, yeah, I'm glad I have my two copies. You know what I mean? Like it's just crazy, dude. Yeah. You can get lucky sometimes and find like some, some decent lot lots of tapes mm-hmm. and you know you can maybe get lucky that way but yeah what's man, interesting stuff, yeah mm-hmm. what's interesting is like the more rare tapes like stuff that people don't like they're, they're so rare that they don't really have the kind of hype inside of the culture um and then you know there's there's like dope rarities and stuff like that that you know go for lesser where i'm shocked you know what i mean that it, mm-hmm. like damn i wish i had saw that but i, re- I really I go on eBay to see what's selling for a lot. And usually it's the same things over and over like, you know, last house on dead end street and, you know, things like that. And I see bootlegs of, of rare movies going for hundreds of dollars, you know, mm-hmm. like, and they're called convention copies and, and so is, is the nomenclature that people are using now. But, um, it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's a wild world, man. I, I it's always really surprising to me how, how the culture has, has morphed into something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, Hey, if they want it bad enough, I mean, whatever people can spend their money, however they want. So it's true. True. Yeah. Means. yeah. All right, man. So I want to do a little segment here on the spook house. A little, something, a little something I call it VH stumped. Yeah. So I'm going to cool. see if I can, <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can stump the uh, the VHS god over here. Oh, I'm sure I, you can. No, I doubt it. Okay, so this is a pretty easy one. I don't have like a lot of questions, by the way. Just a few. I I was like, okay. huh. Okay. What is the highest selling VHS tape of all time? The highest selling tape of all time. Of all time. Jane Fonda's workout. Is that what it is? <laughs> no. Um. Let me see. All right, I'll give you a hint. Star Wars? No, it's Disney. Oh. Beauty and the Beast. The Lion King. The Lion King, okay. Yeah. Okay. Released on VHS in 1995, the film not only tops the list of best-selling VHS tapes, but sits in the list of one of the best-selling DVDs of all time, too. Okay. I learn something new every day. 32 million copies with a revenue of 520 million. Lion King, huh? Wow. Yeah. And just for fun, I'm going to rattle off the top 10 list of highest selling. Okay. All right. Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Pocahontas. Number eight, Toy Story. Number seven, Jurassic Park. Number six, Independence Day. Beauty and the Beast. Titanic, Aladdin, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and then Lion King. So, mainly Disney. 
Yeah, mainly Disney. It's yeah. crazy. All right, 0 for 1 so far. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Actually, I think I only may have, like, one other question. Wait, no, I got two more. Okay. okay. What was the first tape ever released on VHS? Uh, well, it was a magnetic video, for sure. Um, what was the first magnetic? I think it's, it's not, MASH comes to mind, but I don't think it's a MASH episode. It's a Korean movie. Oh, that's right. Shit. What is it called? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, I remember, I remember what you're talking about. What is it called? Young Teacher. The Young Teacher. Okay. Yeah. And it was all magnetic video, right? Um, yeah. I want to say, I think I read that JBC made the first VHS tape. Well, they made the VCR, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, they were like competing with the uh, Betamax. So, all right. I'll give you that one. You were. <laughs> uh, I mean, you don't have to. It's all right. Yeah. Um. All right. Last question. What was the last tape ever made on VHS? Well, everybody says it's History of Violence, right? That is correct. Yeah. I think 2006. I think Cars came out on VHS after that, though. Oh, really? Yeah, some people talk about that, too. Um, I think, you know, but the commercial one, everybody says it's history of violence. So, Okay. And apparently that's a pretty sought-after tape. Yeah, it is now because it, it has that um, notoriety. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Okay. All right, that was VH Stumped. Yeah, yeah, VH Stumped. <laughs> I did one out of three. Yeah, I failed. Um, but, yeah, I... That's really interesting, man. I think, you know, knowing The Lion King is the best-selling tape of all time. I mean, see, I, I was doing a lot of research on, on the best-selling tapes, and, you know, Jane Fonda's workout was super, super influential. Really? You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was outselling stuff like Alien and Godfather and stuff like that. So Damn. it's pretty interesting. If you look into it, it's it's pretty incredible how much that, that tape sold. Hmm. When was the last VCR made? Uh, four years ago, I think. Shanai Corporation, they sold, um, I think it was like 250,000 units, and it wasn't enough to keep it going, so they just decided to end it. Um, I think it was about four years ago now, maybe a little more, but yeah, they stopped. I think it would be kind of cool if somebody made like a VCR slash 4K player. Yeah. Really bring yeah. the worlds together. Yeah, I dude, that'd be, that'd be insanely cool. See, the thing is, um, you know, a lot of people talk about like how VHS was going to deteriorate. You know, like what's the real lifespan of a VHS tape? And, you know, I have VHS tapes from 1980 that still work fine. I have MCA releases of like the birds and Dracula and stuff like that that still play totally fine because those, mm-hmm. those tapes were built to last. Very, very strong, uh, sturdy releases. And I think what, what's happening now is that people are starting to learn that the tapes are fine, but VCRs are dying. And what else is dying is the culture to, to repair them. And I think there's a lot of tape heads out there that are learning how to repair VCRs and learning how to keep them going because you think about it now, oh, finding a working VCR is getting tougher and tougher by the day. And I think, you know, you know, you, you upkeep them and all this other kind of stuff. But I mean, What's it going to look like in like five years? What's it going to look like in 10 years? You know, people are collecting these tapes for high prices, but are they going to have a machine to play it on? 
you know, so for the newest issue of Lunch Meat that's coming out soon, we're doing an article about the future of the VCR and giving a lot of information on how to repair and, and what kind of VCRs to look at. And I think the biggest thing, that the biggest takeaway is that VCRs are dying now because mm-hmm. a lot of VCRs, you know, were made in poorer quality later on in the years. You know what I mean? And, and it's like that's that's the scariest part is like you can have all these tapes, but where's the machine to play them and how can we keep that alive and, and how do you keep them repaired and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really important article that I, that we're working on right now. So. And when is that issue coming out? Hopefully in uh, late November, early December. Cool. Cool. Yeah. You know what, man, I feel like kind of like the same way record players, like you can go into a Walmart right now and like Crosley mm-hmm. is made like, you know, a, a record player. I feel like, eventually VCRs will come back. I would love that. I think that, you know, that's the hope, you know, and I mean, if, if VHS culture keeps coming up as the way it is right now, um, you know, obviously I make the, I release VHS tapes. There's other people releasing VHS tapes. I don't think it's out of the question. I really yeah. don't. And I think that there's going to be some sort of entrepreneur, um, some sort of company that wants to start making boutique VCRs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, the production of VCRs is a little more complicated than making a record player. You know uh, what I mean? I think as far as I know. So, I mean, but yeah, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see, you know, a company invest in trying to make VCRs again, but you got to think when Fanai closed down, they sold 250,000 VCRs, which sounds like a lot, right? Mm. But in previous years they were selling like 17 million VCRs. Right. So it's a it's a small fraction and it just wasn't worth it to them anymore. So they closed it down. Well, I mean, I feel like the de- the demand will be there or it already is there. Like if you made like some sick VCR with like, I don't know, for some reason this popped into my mind, like a like a you, you remember like the clear telephones? Yeah. Like make a clear VCR with like a yeah. cool cool lights inside of it that like glows green or something, like make it look fucking sick like i would buy one of those i would too i mean like yeah. like i said the boutique vcrs could be really cool you know and i think like uh, that's that's what's happening is people are learning how to repair these vcrs you know myself included you know i can do minor vcr repair you know and i mean just through the years of having vcrs break down and trying to figure out what's going on with them you know and you kind of just fiddle with it and figure it out and you read you read the the manuals and stuff and it it's cool. It's it's a good skill to have, especially if you're a tape head, is, is knowing how to maintain your VCR, keep it clean, and keep it running. So, Yeah. What's one thing everybody with a VCR can do today to prolong the life of their, their VCR? Clean the heads. Definitely clean the heads. Um, and you can do that with a cleaner tape. Cleaner tapes work pretty well. You can also open it up and clean the heads manually. Okay. Um, and also just... Uh, that's really it. It's just, it's keeping it clean, you know, because I mean, that's, that's probably the best preventative maintenance you can do, um, in my eyes. And, um, you know, having a rewinder, I think a lot of people like fear rewinders because they snap tapes and stuff, but like lunch me says, don't fear the rewinder. It definitely, <laughs> de- definitely, uh, definitely helps out your machine, you know? So, um, but definitely keeping the heads clean. I would say like every four or five, six tapes you watch clean the heads and it helps a lot. You know, I never even put that together that the purpose of the rewinder, I thought it was like kind of like a laziness 
thing, like, hey, rewind your own tape. So I never even considered that, like, you know, it helps the longevity of your VCR. Because, mm-hmm. so, I, yeah, I guess that does put, like, strain on the, the VCR itself to do that work. Yeah, because you got to think it's the opposite direction of the natural play. Okay. So, and then it, it harms the motor a little bit. And, you know, the it's – I mean, they're made to rewind. Obviously, the VCRs have a rewind function for a reason. But I think using the rewinders is is something where, you know, it, it just helps your machine live a little longer, yeah. Yeah. Um. Is there a what specific movie has like toasted a VCR for you? Was there one that like maybe you watched it too much, and one day your VCR was like, "All right, enough." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all. I think it's all a crapshoot, dude. I think like you know sometimes tapes. Well, recently, um, I was at a friend's house and they have a um uh, a TV VCR combo, right? So mm-hmm. I got this copy of Adam's Family for them, you know, and because it's one of their favorite movies. And I, I put it in and then you can hear it like chewing it up. Yeah. And like the TV VCR combos are like almost impossible to repair, like on my level, you know, and uh, I was really worried. But what happened was, I guess that tape was just really dirty. You know what I mean? For something or it was like, well, it was like uh, bent up or something. Mm-hmm. And then it, it knocks the tracking off. So what I had to do is I had to put an, put a beater tape in there, fast forward it a little bit, and clean it out a little bit, and then I put a cleaner tape in it like three or four times, and then it was fine. So really, kind of like you worry that it misaligns the head, mm-hmm. the heads. Um, but if you, like I said, cleaning your heads is is the most important part because that's that's where it reads the information. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Clean your heads, people. Yes. Can playing Definitely. a tape with mold on it fuck up your VCR? It's like dirt. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And I know there's been a huge, you know, moldy tapes are really, you know, they're all over the place. And, you know, I've released a couple um, tutorials about how to clean mold and things like that. And I've never had a huge problem with mold and I, I don't fear it as much as everybody else. But I mean, you definitely don't want to put a moldy tape in your VCR because it's dirt. It's essentially yeah. just dirt. You know what I mean? And, um, the spores can get onto another tape and cause problems and, and things like that. But yeah, I wouldn't see the thing is, and here's a little VH secret for you. When I was, <laughs> when I was younger, uh, like, like 15, 16, you know, before I really got into the culture and started learning a lot about it. I mean, I probably put a couple moldy tapes in my VCR and watched it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it was fine. I mean, essentially it was fine. I mean, you just have to clean your heads and I mean, I would just don't put, dirty tapes you know because you got to think like especially with x rentals think about how many vcrs that tape potentially went through That's and true. how and how dirty were those vcrs and how unkempt the other vcrs were and things like that so it's like yeah that's why I really like you. You asked that question. I really stress just just keeping your vcr heads clean is a really is a is a big preventative maintenance thing is there any way to salvage a moldy tape you can clean it it depends how bad really? it is. Yeah, you can clean it. Damn, I, I passed up a MCA side loader release of Karate Kid last week. I saw it at a thrift store. I opened mm-hmm. it up, and I was like, shit, it's got mold on it. I mean, you can clean them. I've seen plenty of people clean moldy tapes. I mean, the thing is, it really depends. I mean, it depends how bad the mold is. It mm-hmm. depends, you know, because it will start to eat away at the tape and 
things like that. It's really case to case. And I mean, I think like if you see a little speck of mold or something like that, you can totally clean that. But if something's like caked, it might be too far gone. I've seen some people do some incredible rescues, but, um, you know, there's ways to do it for sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the VH secrets, man. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> the one tape that ruined my VCR. Like for some reason, everybody hates this fucking movie. But when I was a kid, there was a, like a, a year period there where I would literally wake up every day and watch nothing but trouble on VHS. Dude, oh, why do people hate this movie? I fucking love this movie. Really? Yes. Okay. All movie. right. Okay. Thank you, by the way. Like everybody shits on that movie. It's like a infamous movie at this point. I love it. That's crazy. That's yes. crazy. I mean, I see people hate on it too. And um, it's funny. Cause like I have friends who are like, who could hate this movie? And then some, like you said, some people are like, this movie is garbage. Like, I hate this movie. And it's, yeah. I love how polarizing it is and like how, mm-hmm. like, divisive it is. I mean, that movie is insane. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, um, uh, almost like a family friendly version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. A little in bit. A way. I mean, yeah, a little bit. I mean, like, minus the cannibalism, I think it's, 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 it's just a weird ass family that lives in, in, you know, some podunk town that, uh, has their own culture that they, that they do, you know? Hey, so. uh, New Jersey, Vulcanvania, New, New Jersey. Is it New Jersey? I thought it was yeah. PA. No, yeah. it's, it's Jersey. My geography's so bad, bro. Nah, man. That movie takes place in, uh, in Jersey. Yeah, I love that movie. So much so that I played it until it just broke apart in my VCR and just ruined it. Such a good one. That's a comfort movie for me, too. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the original title of that movie was Vulcanvania. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And it also lost like millions and millions of dollars. Just because it was too weird. It was just too weird. I feel like that movie would make for a good documentary. I mean, it has so much star power. And, you know, Dan Aykroyd's a genius and John Candy and Chevy Chase and, you know, Demi Moore. Like you think yeah. of you, you have these names in it and you're just like, well, yeah. And I think people went to the, the theater and they were just too weirded out by it. Like that movie is really strange. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially so. for 91 when it came out. Like, shit like that wasn't really, you know. If it yeah. had come out, like, mid-80s, it would have been right at home, I think. But yeah. 91 was just a little too weird. I don't it's, know. It's just too far out, you know. And yeah. I think that's why I love it. It's because it is so far out and weird. And it has really cool makeup and really cool, like, effects. And Mr. Bone Stripper and, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I I love that movie. I'm really glad you brought it up because I always want to champion that movie, especially because people hate it. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it's so good, dude. That's awesome. All right, Josh. Well, I won't take up too much more of your time, but yeah, that's, hey, that's thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast, man. This was a it lot of fun. Absolutely, my pleasure. It, I really love doing this. So thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And um you said the new issue of Lunch Meet will be out in November? Yeah, November, December, I mean somewhere around there. I mean, I, you know, it's it's just me and and my friend Ted working on it and I'm working on some other things. So it's always it's always a work in progress. Um we will have a new calendar coming out, Home Video Horrors calendars coming out this year or next year rather for 2021. So we're really excited about that too. Really cool. Okay. cool yeah, man. I got a bunch of new apparel going on and New VHS releases for Halloween, all kinds of really groovy stuff coming up. So Yeah, and where can everybody find that? Lunchmeetvhs.com. 
that's where you're going to find everything. And I'm Lunch Meet VHS on all the social media. Uh, so just give me a VH shout. I'm here to talk about tapes anytime you want. Hell yeah. All yeah. right, Josh. Well, have a good one, man. Thank you for, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Dude, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. There you have it. Josh from Lunch Meet VHS. Go check out all his stuff. Follow him on Instagram. Hit up Lunch Meet VHS. Pick up some tapes, some kick-ass shirts. He designs all that stuff himself. I have the um, I Believe in VHS tie-dye shirt. Check it out. It's awesome. Hey, leave a five-star review on iTunes if you got time. Always appreciated. And to play us out, I'm going to play the uh, the scene in Nothing But Trouble when Digital Underground and Tupac show up halfway through to play a song for the judge to prove that they're musicians so he doesn't kill them. It's a bizarre movie, and I love it. Just and this song's beat, pretty Jay. jamming, too. So here you go. All right. See you next week, everybody. Been all around the world. came for the party to get naughty get my rocks on eat popcorn watch you move your body till the pop song that i'm singing ding-a-linging funky beats ringing everybody swinging in the place as i kick the jay's easy watch style r&b mixing it with the hip-hop swing beat champagne in my hand it won't be long till i'm gone it's just the same old song it's just the freestyle meanwhile we keep the beat kicking sweat dripping girlies in the limo we in chicken oops forget the grease on your pantyhose i love you rover move over i gotta blow my nose sneezing but still i'm pleasing all of Slimmy's, pull out my Jimmy. Time to get busy with a Jenny. If it's good and plenty, don't you know? There I go, there I go, there I go. But I don't go nowhere without my gym hat. What I'm rapping is if she's clapping, then I'm strapping, cause I'm smarter than that. And then, girly, maybe we can get along. Cutie after cutie. It's just the same old song. Same song. Sure enough.